Hey, what's going on? It's CJ the Day Slayer from the Upgrade American Podcast, the greatest show on earth. At least that's what we're aiming to be. Um, hey, this is a very special up episode. It was very impromptu. Um, definitely, we just pulled out some facts off of common knowledge. We suggest you go do your research via Google, scholarly articles, historic articles, and whatnot. Um, So what you're going to hear on the podcast is things we just went off of memory. Um, But also, I put together a little something special on the audio podcast to where you guys can hear like snippets of some of the reasons we talked about in the podcast why he was assassinated. It was just deeper than equal rights. It was more of his anti-war speeches. It was about economic equality, you know, things like that. So I wanted to highlight that in some short, small clips. And then, so you're going to hear this, then you're going to hear some short, small clips, three of them, then you're going to roll right into the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. Shout out to Uganda, our new audio listener. Um, Shout out to all our international peeps, our domestic peeps, viewers and listeners on the podcast thank you so much and happy mlk day this was for everybody in america and hopefully he's made an impact and we got a lot of work to do peace the 1960s, the hard-fought struggle for racial equality was overshadowed in the public eye by the Vietnam War. American involvement in the war had escalated. Young African-American men served in combat in disproportionately high numbers compared to the rest of the population. I couldn't go to college because my family couldn't afford it, so the only thing left was to go into the service, Private Reginald Edwards. I got drafted in 1966. I basically had a gung-ho attitude by being a soldier. Specialist Haywood Kirkland. I didn't ask no questions about the war. I mean, the only way I could possibly make it out of the ghetto was to be the best soldier I possibly could. Specialist Arthur Woodley. Declaring in 1967, my conscience leaves me no other choice, Martin Luther King Jr. decided to take a stand against the war. A time comes when silence is betrayal. That time has come for us in relation to Vietnam. Even when pressed by the demands of inner truth, men do not easily assume the task of opposing their government's policy, especially in time of war. That is, at the outset, a very obvious and almost facile connection between the war in Vietnam and the struggle I and others have been waging in America. So I was increasingly compelled to see the war as an enemy of the poor. We were taking the black young men who had been crippled by our society and sending them 8,000 miles away guarantee liberties in Southeast Asia, 
which they had not found in southwest Georgia and East Holland. When I came to Vietnam, I thought we were helping another country to develop a nation. Harold Bryant. I thought communism was spreading, and as an American citizen, it was my part to do as much as I could to defeat the communists. Specialist Arthur Woodley. Somehow this madness must cease. You feel like your life is threatened, so you open fire on anything and everything that moves. See, that's how we were trained. Specialist Arthur Woodley. I thought about all the people getting killed and maimed, and kept saying, why? Lieutenant Commander William Norman. A nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death. Every nation must now develop an overriding loyalty to mankind as a whole. If we will make the right choice, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our world into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. The response to the speech was immediate and largely negative. But King continued to attack the war on moral and economic grounds. Tragically, Dr. King was assassinated a year to the day after the speech. When the U.S. finally withdrew from Vietnam in April of 1975, there was widespread belief that the war had not been worth the cost. Today we honor the men who served in Vietnam, but the questions Dr. King raised about the spiritual and financial cost of waging wars of choice are just as relevant today. On August 28, 2011, the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial was dedicated. It honors his legacy and willingness to take a stand for civil rights and human rights even when the stand was as unpopular as his 1967 speech, Beyond Vietnam. to give ourselves to this struggle until the end. Nothing would be more tragic than to stop at this point in Memphis. I want to thank God once more for allowing me to be here with you. I left Atlanta this morning and then I got into Memphis. And some began to say the threats or talk about the threats that were out. Uh, what would happen to me from some of our sick white brothers? Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life, longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. 
and he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Many young Negroes don't want anything that smacks of the American white middle class. But do they want something that smacks of whatever is the black middle class? Or do they just not want bourgeois values, which after all are the basis of this democracy? Well, I think uh, we have to see what they are saying. Uh, I would be the first to agree that... Uh, integration does not mean giving up everything that has an Afro-American taint, so to speak, a background. I think there are certain unique things within any culture and certain cultural patterns that when you get to the process of amalgamation can really lift the whole culture. And it seems to me that integration at its best is the opportunity to participate in the beauty of diversity. I think the other thing that we've got to see is that these young people are saying that there must be a revolution of values in our country. As Jimmy Baldwin said on one occasion, what advantage is there in being integrated into a burning house? And I feel that uh, there is a need for a revolution of values in America because some of the values that presently exist are certainly out of line with the uh, values and the idealistic structure uh, that brought our nation into being. Unfortunately, we haven't been true to these ideals and many of the values of uh, so-called white middle-class society are values uh, that need to be reviewed and uh, re-evaluated, and in a real sense, they need to be changed. So I think the young people in the Negro community who are raising these questions are raising some very profound questions about our total society. In other words, they are saying that there must be a restructuring of the architecture uh, of our society where values are concerned and with this I would agree with so in the quest for integration I think we can offer our whole nation something because there are three evils in our nation it's not only racism but economic exploitation of poverty would be one and then militarism and I think in a sense and in a very real sense these three are tied inextricably together and we aren't going to get rid of one without getting rid of the other Hey, what's going on? It's CJ Today Slayer. I hope you guys enjoyed the Martin Luther King clips that I presented on the audio podcast. Now stay tuned to your feature presentation, the Upgrade America podcast on MLK Day. It's a special one for you guys. 
and ladies, um, international and domestic peeps. I hope you enjoy and let's get to the show. Yeah. What's up, world? I'm Cameron Ra, host and executive of Upgrade America, the greatest show on earth, arguably. I have a dream that Upgrade America will be called the greatest show on earth by everyone, not just myself. But yeah, I got CJ today, Slay over there. What's good, um, bro? Yo, I'm shit. Man, I really like that shirt. Let, let's, let's get some uh, for yeah, this is Malcolm X, you know, even though I know it's Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday weekend, you know, federal holiday. But, um, that, that's kind of oh. what we want to discuss today. We may or may not drop this one this yeah. weekend. Um, you know, it, it's still worth discussing. So, yeah. um, before we came on the air, Chris was just saying, like, you know, about some fun facts about Martin Luther King. Pause. Rewind. Let's uh, shout out all our, uh, you know, our listeners, our viewers, everyone giving that great feedback. I just had a, an awesome conversation with, with a gentleman at uh, at Whole Foods, my boy Lorenz. Like, okay. Uh, he's giving us great feedback on, on the show, man, and, and it's really making this, uh, making it more worthwhile doing this when you're when you're really hearing constructive uh, feedback from people. But yeah. I know you said we have some. Um, we got some new listeners in some other countries as well, Chris, right? Yeah, uh, shout out to Uganda is on the list for the audio side. I don't know about the visual yet. I'm pretty okay. sure it might have been on that list that we read off a while ago. I got to put put that up on the audio, too, that whole list. We could get uh, Africa on the map, you know? Yeah, finally, you know? We got, uh, we got uh, the Americas. Do we have, did we get Australia? I think we did. Yeah, we got Australia. Yeah. But I mean, we hitting the continents, we hopping around, international yeah. out there. But yeah, everybody, yeah, please, thank you for the support, and, yeah. and please keep giving us that feedback and, and everything. We, we truly appreciate it. Um, oh yeah, shout out to my homegirl Jackie, sweet pea. She subscribed this week, so I'm waiting to hear back from feedback or whatnot. So that was exciting news. I mean, everyone counts. Like, yeah. you know, we, we, we started a movement and you, you you get to one million, one uh, follower at a time, one subscriber at a time. And, and yeah. So without further ado, let's, let's, let's uh, spin it back to, to Martin Luther King. And, um, you know, big respect for what he does, what he did. Like, he, he was really a, a forerunner in, uh, you know, the civil rights movement. And I couldn't even imagine living in those times, you know, <laughs> with separate but equal and, uh, you know, all the discrimination. And I don't know, Chris, what, what are your thoughts? The, the 1960s was a tough era, man. Yeah. Um, now that I'm older and reflective, man, we've, we've been on all around the globe. Mm -hmm. also have been through different eras in America. I feel differently about integration in a way. Like, seeing how all this plays out now, because you can see it on camera phones, uh, police cams, mm -hmm. public cams. And it might be a little bit um, harsh, but I feel 
I don't necessarily agree with integration in a way. I think integration I mean, when it comes, maybe as far as when it comes to business industry, um, socially, I think we would have been integrated for like music, entertainment, like sports, concerts, whatever. But in a weird way, I can say in those times, probably the 60s on back, or I probably count the 70s, when speaking just for Black America, I think we were better when we did have our own economic base. Uh, now, uh, would, would a good example be uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma with the with Black Wall Street? And then you got Wilmington, and then you have there's plenty of other cities um, around the U.S. Wilmington, Delaware. No, Wilmington, North Carolina. See, I see. Um, so I I'm kind of conflicted now because you get older, you read more, you experience more. And now you're not just educated by school, which doesn't really holistically educate us as a whole depending on where you go to school we can attest to that i mm -hmm. i did most of my formative years in south carolina but i also had education in maryland and a small bit in new york because i was so young in those areas but a majority of my school years was in south carolina so obviously it's going to favor south carolina history like the perspective from their view not a holistic view a global view like what really happened and do critical thinking on historical perspective. So these are my thoughts now. I feel a lot differently now. So, okay. Like, it's 2020 and there's still racism in America. Now, um, I guess one is the question I'm trying to say, do you think we'll ever come together and, and sing Kumbaya? Or is like, would the separate states be more realistic to, because uh, I, I don't, I would, ideally, I would want everyone to come together and be like, yo, even though, you know, let, let's, let's one equal, but I, I don't think that would occur. But at the same time, segregation, like, I don't know, say there was a black state, an entire black state. Okay. Like, do you think that would be the way for everyone to coexist? Like, okay, you want us to go back to Africa, but that's not happening. But we will take some land over there and, and create a black state. Do you think that would squash racism? Or, or I, I don't know. Based on what I understand, to get rid of racism means you have to have justice. Justice. Uh, equality and justice. Okay. And you have to have, I would say, the group in charge or you have to have a collective group enough to where it won't fly anymore. And yeah. that would be kumbaya everybody. It would be poor people from, I would say, every demographic. Give an example. Versus, say, the top 1% that are making legislation. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put it that way because that's what keeps racism going. Really, is legislation. I could I could totally see that, and um, you know the, the the lack of diversity within those uh, mm -hmm. legislative sectors. But again, it's just mind-boggling mm -hmm. how I think we would make so much more progress with uh, 
the abolition of, of, of racism. And I don't know how I don't know how to do that. I'm, I'm brainstorming and I'm thinking because it's like <laughs> it's it's 2020, man. Like yeah. Get over but, um, I, I don't know. It's like, okay, for example, same crime, right? Young white mm-hmm. male, 18 years old, commits armed robbery. First time offender. Young black male, 18 years old, first time crime, commits armed robbery. Basically, they should get the same time. They should get, maybe, I don't know, for good behavior, like a year or so. I'm just throwing out some. Mm-hmm. They should typically, like, if it was a system of equality and justice and fairness for all, they should get the same time. Period. Well, no here's dis- the thing. Same time if they had the same lawyer, you know, and the magnitude of the crime was, you know, identical. But this mm. whole foggy legal system where, mm. where justice could be purchased, it's, um, it's, it's a bit obscure because um, I, I I totally agree with you on that and and again we have to find a, a way to to facilitate equality in in every aspect of, of our uh, of our federal government or in, and even um, the judicial systems as well. But, it's tough, it's, man. It's, yeah, I was gonna it's say it's difficult, man. It's real difficult. Like it's, it's gonna it's take some thinking outside of the box. But remember uh, last week's episode when um, I mentioned as far as like doing things blindly, like where you're not yes. seeing the individual. So it's like maybe if you if you i don't want to say like defendants didn't have to come to trial but if you didn't have to see i don't know put a bag over their head like so you can't see them so the jury can't be like off the rip feel some type of way just he looks guilty just because you know just because of the way he looks but if it's like if you can eliminate that aspect from it perhaps you you would if you couldn't tell if the defendant is black or white latino what have you I don't know, and I'm I'm thinking outside of the box, and I'm being a little radical, but that's interesting. This is something that we that, that we deal with, but I, I don't want to deviate too far from um you know okay. from Martin Luther King. I know you said you had some uh, some real fun facts, or not fun facts, or some interesting yeah. facts about Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement. Um, well, okay, so everybody knows I have a dream speech, which from what I understand was basically like a freestyle. Mm. He started out with another speech. I was gonna say, I thought he written it and then he was yeah. like, last moment he was like, yeah. nah, let me just uh, go with this. So pretty much that, yeah, pretty much that was a freestyle for our rap heads, hip hop heads out there. Um, he did a random speech, basically. He made it up as he went along. Um, another thing, is what is not talked about as much as his regrets for integration. That's something that's not spoken about. He now, said, in his uh, regrets for integration, like what would he be, say, if he were alive today, what do you think he would be striving or pushing for today? So, this is one of his things. Let me see. I, I'm reading it right now. Google. We're Googling because we're kind of doing this like on the fly. On the fly. 
So let's see. This is one of the things he he said it's much easier to integrate a lunch counter than it is to guarantee a livable income and a good solid job. It's much easier to guarantee the right to vote than it is to guarantee the right to live in a sanitary, decent housing conditions. Mm. It's much easier to integrate a public park than it is to make a genuine quality integrated education a reality. He said, and so today we're struggling for the something that which says we demand genuine equality. So you're saying, yo, like what, how are we getting treated? We shouldn't be getting treated that way. But now that we are integrated, there's still other ways to still mistreat us. We still don't have true equality. Yes, so he was like, I might've made a mistake on kind of how it played out. He didn't, he didn't see, what is it called? The um, unintended consequences of Hmm. The push for what he did. Um, I had no idea he, he felt that way. Yeah, but, I'm trying to find. I'm a, I'm a Google it. You could talk. I'm a Google like what he actually said. It was like one of the quotes was like, "I'm afraid I led my people into a burning house for integration." Hmm. That was like his analogy. So uh, that's um an an interesting perspective. Now um. From what I, I did find in my research that he was losing a bit of popularity near the uh-huh. end of his life. And uh, with the whole nonviolence movement, a lot of people weren't for that. They were marching, they are doing their things, but things weren't changing. And I could see that being very frustrated. But my understanding, it was, um, you know, his death really added some fuel to the fire of uh, the civil rights movement. And he was uh, a literal martyr for that. But it's um, it was very interesting times. I know. Um, I don't know how I, I how I would have been in those times, or who's. Well, I I'm, I'm don't think I would be the whole marching in the street and, and all that. I don't think protests are are very uh, effective even in the 21st century. But um, okay. I did admire Malcolm X's his some of his philosophies I'm not saying the whole uh, I'm pro-violent but at the same time uh, we, we have the right to defend ourselves and, and to use force when, when necessary so I'm in totally in support in, in favor of that but well, hold on, I'm peaceful, so... there's a peaceful route uh, yeah. it's never the path of least resistance but um, if there's a peaceful route uh, I would try to least level of force first and then gradually escalate what you're saying no i wanted to interject on one thing you kind of said you said like um i think it's more of a misnomer that malcolm x was like necessarily pro i don't know how you just put it like pro-violence or whatever um, he, I'm not saying, and I don't, and forgive me if I, if I communicated it that way. I don't want to say he was pro-violent, but mm-hmm. he was not against it. He was not against using force. And yeah. my understanding is Martin Luther King was not for the use of force, even in in defense. You know. Okay, I was just trying to clear that. I was trying to understand. Like, I got what your the, the general message. I was just making sure I heard you, because I was going to push back and say, well. Like how I took it is just basically self-defense. Like 
basically like the Black Panthers was mm-hmm. really about self-defense. Yes, indeed. And somehow it's got spun into being something a bit more aggressive. But yeah. it's like, thing, like when you have men marching with guns and they're black men marching with guns, that it's going to put a lot of fear into uh, people's hearts, you know? And um, maybe that was a, a necessity at, at the time, you know, like, just the way things were, and I can't imagine I wasn't there. I only read and, and, and heard reports about it, and um, some of that animosity still resonates with me as well. And I don't think I would lay down, get get sprayed by hoses, get bit by dogs, and stand there peacefully singing "Kumbaya." Yeah. Like it's um, true. It's um, when it comes down to self-defense, and I think you, it's just so. You know, we're defenders, we, we've, we've dealt with conflict. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it sucks to just like be passive and, and you know, let an aggressive force run over you. But then at the same time, if you mobilize your own force, then that force perceives you as a threat and it just gets messier. Both sides, I mean, at the end of the day, both leaders got whacked. Both leaders got assassinated. You know, yeah. like Martin Luther King, allegedly they said, there are rumors that uh, it was Green Berets or, or someone, uh, you know, some military officials that took the, the shot because they were staying in uh, the hotel across the street. Hotel so, Lorraine, I think. And where did, was it? Montgomery, Alabama? I'm talking about there's a military unit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Special forces that were stayed uh, very close proximity to where uh, Martin Luther King got shot. But, um,. Same time, how Malcolm X got killed, like I think it was the same thing. Government um, a, infiltration, COINTEL problem. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's really nothing for someone to pay someone to go in there, and it was an African American who, who killed him. But at the same time, it's um, you, you know how that spooky work goes. You have contractors and assets, yep. things of that nature. But I only brought that up to say both leaders, they, they you know, they, they were killed. Yeah. And it raises the question, though, if they are, I, I find it kind of comical in a way, if they are really just speaking about equality, justice for all, why would you kill them? If and that's what America is all about, why would you kill people that just speak about that? It kind of put that in the butt, though. Again, like when people are martyrs, you know, for a cause, you you, you add fire to that. I think they think, and by they, I mean whoever's pulling the strings, that that we'll be scared. Like, oh, you kill one of them, you'll be scared. Like, yeah, someone will be scared, but you you're not gonna kill the fire. You're not gonna put that yeah. fire out. You know, you you're only gonna you're you're just pissing gasoline all over it. And you know, our people uh, we. We've been through a lot, and it's yes. in DNA, and we're just not going to lay down like that. We are not going back to Africa. I mean, uh, if you gave me a, a large sum of money and some land, then yeah, I'll go back to Africa. But you don't bring my ancestors over here. Use this like, um, how do you say, like livestock. Oh, these pesky laws say we can't own black people anymore. Now we hate them, and now we, we, we're mad we want to hang them. Like, fuck out of here. Like, um... This racism thing, it, it's silly. It's its really silly. And, um... I don't know. 
can, I can rant all day, but I got yeah. another question for you. Okay. Um, go ahead, but I know you, you may, it, this is uh, on a different subject, so okay. circle back. But did you have anything else on as far as uh, Martin Luther King? You, you uh, mentioned uh, an interesting fact about the, the where he really died at. Okay, well, I looked up another thing too. So basically, to show what we're talking about, that you'll never put the fire out. Literally, fire started everywhere after his death. So it's called the Holy Week of Uprising. Mm. When all the riots happened in the 1960s, it was the greatest wave of social unrest in the United States since the Civil War. So, wow. like, marinate on that. Like, this guy was so magnetizing and inspiring that he caused riots in every major city in the U.S. And I... It's a peaceful guy, though. Again, his whole yeah. doctrine was peace, and you're going to bring war to it. It's like, so if I was the feds or whoever's in power, I would much rather deal with a peaceful with a peaceful uh, protest organization, whatever, than, um, than guys who are like, oh, you want to kill our peaceful leaders? Yeah, you know, um, I don't know. But yeah, I could totally see how that could start uh spark uh you know outrage and unrest um i guess a couple quick facts and then we'll go on to the next topic mm -hmm. but we do recognize and are grateful for the work he has done and then what he tried to accomplish towards the end of his life which is economic justice for all and i do believe i do agree with his stance on the vietnam war we shouldn't have been there in the first place like I agree with that. Um, and that's another reason why he was assassinated. It was the economic part, and then it was the war effort. He didn't agree with it. So that is not talked about enough. It's always a, I dream that I have a dream speech, which drives me crazy. Like, present the whole person of the man. Yeah. Let's talk about, you know what I'm saying, how he gave immigrants their rights. Like, immigrants should be like, flocking on his birthday because he gave people rights to start a life over here. If it wasn't for him, you wouldn't have those rights. America systematically showing you they don't want other people here. Period. So, um, and then also I think his name is William Pepper, his attorney, Martin Luther King's yeah. attorney. He has a great book. I haven't read it yet. Uh, definitely got to check that out. And he also sued the U.S. government for assassinating Martin Luther King Jr., which is not spoken about enough. Wow. And I, the case was closed in 1999. So make sure you do your Googles and all that. We're just giving quick stuff out because this is kind of impromptu. Um, I think his legacy is intact. Um, hold on, hold on. Let's go back to that. Okay, go ahead. Talking before, you said, because everyone, including myself, had the misconception. Boom, shot was taken in the hotel and he died right there. Now, I do believe you said in uh, in this book before the, the investigation that the, the lawyer did, they, they said that he was smothered in the hospital or? Yeah, they said a doctor or somebody actually killed him. He survived the shooting, mm. got to the hospital, and then he was killed in the hospital. And I think they rerouted him to the hospital. He was supposed to be going, I think, to another hospital, but they rerouted him to another hospital. If I remember correctly. And when he got to that hospital, that's where he got really assassinated. It wasn't from the shots. It was from the hospital. 
Interesting. You said that was from uh, suffocation, asphyxiation. I think it was. It was. I think it was suffocation or something like that. Somebody admitted it on their deathbed. I guess either the person that did it or the person that knew that did it admitted, like, yeah, we took him out at the hospital. But that is something I I did not know that. That's uh, that's definitely yeah. interesting to me. But if you look, if you look up his lawyer, that's where you would get all the facts from. But they try to discredit him. You know how America does. We would discredit anybody who speaks the real truth. Oh, indeed. And say he was crazy, just made up like a conspiracy theory, all this kind of stuff. But the lawsuit shows otherwise. There got to be some truth there if the lawsuit was won by Martin Luther King Jr.'s family. So just to throw that out there, unknown history, fun facts that you guys don't know about Martin Luther King. Another fact I think what I understand is I might have it a little off, but... Martin Luther King Jr. was usually armed. A lot of people don't know that. And then they also had, <laughs> they also pretty much had a squad with him. I forgot what it was called. Um, it was an armed, it was, he had arms around him at all times. People mm -hmm. don't know that either. Even though he was nonviolent, doesn't mean, doesn't mean he didn't believe in the second amendment. I like that though. And so I people don't know about that. I forgot the group, um, it was like Sons of Something. Uh, sons of ministry or something like that. They were all armed individuals that protected him as he moved around the state. You have to, you have to. Yeah. Um, the message that he was that he was spreading, and it only makes sense. I didn't really, I didn't think about that until now. But yeah, that totally makes sense. Mhm. Mm but yeah. So, definitely, um, yo, big ups for everything uh, you, that you did, and you know definitely appreciate you, you paving the way there's still much more to do we, we got much further to go but um definitely a trailblazer and, and civil rights the civil yes, rights sir. movement i kind of want to pivot okay to, um you said you were watching the watchmen series right yeah i was and then i got sidetracked and i started oh, watching man. before yeah listen it was a great show. I, I mean, I, there's a lot of people from what I've seen that, that loved it as well. But mm -hmm. I think it hit too close to home or it hit too deep. Because my understanding is they canceled season two. They will not be making a season two. It was too real. And um, I was having a conversation with, uh, you know, someone on Facebook who, who was posting that. And then it just brought a flashback to me about racism in the military and so let's talk about it it's like because you know this the show the watchmen there they're one of the plots spoiler alert is that white supremacists have infiltrated not only the police department in tulsa but also uh you know the the senate and other places in government like they're they're everywhere and I was just asking, like, you know, we were talking, like, is there some validity to it? And some people were saying that's probably the most realistic aspect of the show, you know? And then I was just like, now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I've encountered racism in the military. Um, just in tech school, got into a little uh, scuffle with some skinheads. And, you know, like, when you're in the military, you can only have certain tattoos. You can't have any racial tattoos, for one, and you can only have them certain areas. They, you, you can't, like right now I'm padded all up on my neck and stuff, you can't do that in the service. These guys had skinhead tattoos on their lips and <laughs> they were throwing them up on us like, yo, this is what we're about. These yeah. were low-ranking airmen, however, 
the possibility exists that people like this have climbed through the ranks and are in positions of leadership and you know and all these flashbacks of hey boy go clear that minefield yeah. <laughs> starting to come starting to come back you know i'm like man like but I, I my question for you is like what are your thoughts on that 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 possibility exists is the probability like is it a deep conspiracy or is it just something like a couple people or a couple bad apples in, in the government i don't know just seeing watchmen canceled it it really raised some it was thought-provoking i would say yes to all of that i believe and i highlighted something um on twitter not too long ago about this girl's mother was in the navy and i mm -hmm. think she was it's not really racially motivated, but it just, it highlighted stuff that goes on in the military that's not spoken about. The military, US military is a microcosm of America at the end of the day. It's very reflective of what America is. There are some checks and balances that are different than what happens out here in the civilian world, but in the military it's just more extreme because it's all about discipline, order, morale, the mission has to get done. So you, you don't really have time for petty stuff. But through my experience in the Air Force, it was definitely racism because um, you got to remember, everybody that joins usually joins from rural areas that mm. don't have much exposure to different diverse demographics of people. And it's usually poor people. So educationally, they might not be exposed to stuff either. These are other things to consider. Um, I have seen... I'll give an example. I seen my friend get hit up with BAS, basic, uh, what is it called? Allowance basic. for supplementation? Yeah, substance. Mm -hmm. Basically, the military gives you money for food every month, like a food allowance. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gee, so you had, good, so, yeah, so you had a white airman that has been getting this for a year. Then you had a black senior airman at the time. That white guy was A1C. So the senior airman is a little bit higher ranking. Mm -hmm. and then, so the other guy, the white guy had got, um, he's been getting this for a year. He wasn't supposed to be. The black guy just got, I think $20 or something. He, he uh, blew $20. They took his strike within like a week. What do you mean he blew $20? Like um, they paid him. BAS and they weren't supposed to even though they were rolling out paying us BAS because we had a kitchen in our dorm room mm -hmm. so they were starting to give us BAS especially if we're on night shift they would give us BAS as well because we don't really have access to go to the dining facility yeah, yeah. exactly so right around this time when it rolled out well the white kid got exposed for getting it for a year when he wasn't supposed to but the black dude just started getting it and he didn't know about it and they took his stripe like immediately so wow. he came and told me i was like dude go to meo which is like hr and military term military equal opportunity. opportunity yeah so he went fought the case got a stripe back and got his like case thrown out the other guy he had to back pay all his stuff but if i didn't raise the uh concern of fighting back mm -hmm. they screwed that dude and the other guy was mad at me because I told him to fight the charge. I said, I would have fought the charge, too, See, because... That's that's one ahead. incident? Yeah. But when it's... You're talking matters of life and death. Oh, you that, know, too. When you're talking about matters of life and death, it's like, yeah, that's yeah. one thing. But when it's like, 
Yo, it's matters of life and death, and um, commands are, are are given, and you know that that's what I'm more concerned about. Oh yeah, and you can you can argue and say another dirty secret about military operations, especially mm -hmm. combat theater, is fratricide. Yes, indeed, and that's from uh, a sophisticated word for friendly fire, for meaning yes. people on the same team shooting each other. Inadvertently or intentionally. intentionally. Uh, so I can, and I think back to, and I think about how fortunate we were. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine Vietnam War, Korean War, yes, indeed, War Two, World War One, like where they just started integrating black troops and all. I can only imagine yes. what that environment was like. And we came a long way. We came yes. a very long way, but we still got still have a, a far way to go like um when it i guess it like when it is do or die you know you do bond with uh your your team but yeah. same time um I, and it's it's always a multicultural a really multicultural yeah. group of friends but you know your the people you work with they they often become your your, your friends yeah but, mm, some of the times we we don't all be drinking and then, you know, some racist jokes. I'm like, okay, like, it's really in your heart, you know, but, um, I don't know. It's just that I had some flashbacks. I thought about that, you know, in, in my military tenure and that, but at the same time, present day, I do have a concern with, um, you know the the infiltration of white supremacies and or even any other let's call them terrorist groups into Basically. our government or um our, our government and law enforcement communities well not only that judicial medical educational well, every aspect of society but I'm, I'm this i'm just thinking because this whole uh this whole white supremacy thing it's been going on for quite a long time and yes, are evil white supremacists, and I had a bunch of evil white supremacist friends. And yeah, like let's take over the government, let's take over the police forces. Let's. Then what can you do? The, who's the FBI um, leader that was saying there's a that was a threat? <laughs> it's not Hoover because I heard he was quite racist. <laughs> but yeah. stuff, but uh, there's a, an FBI director that was saying um, like this is it. This is a credible threat, but. I don't know. We may have to do another um, episode when we when we have the the data and the information. But yeah, definitely. It's just something I was I was curious on on your thoughts. Yeah, um, I, I believe it all. Like, um, yeah, there's white supremacy in every sector of society. And how do you combat that? I guess root them out when you see it. That's it. I mean kind of almost like a weed or we got to get to a point in society where it doesn't matter anymore like i said true equality ah, just oh, ah. whoa, it's gonna whoa, take whoa. everybody it's gonna take white people to call it out mm. that don't believe in those ideologies because here's the thing i and i have conversations with people and and bless their hearts and their naivety but they don't believe in racism or, or things of that nature and it's hard to it's like well Here's the thing, like, you're not, and I don't want to say white people don't experience racism, but everyone experiences some degree of racism, like, um, 
but at the same time, you're not going to experience it how you and I experience well, it. Slow this down real quick. For, okay. This is a defining, we need to like define something. So racism to me, when I hear racism, it is mm-hmm. a system of oppress is an oppressive system against another group. Yes. Meaning financially, educationally, medically, economically, like all this stuff. That's racism. Racism, like throwing some words out, making you feel uncomfortable. That's like bigotry and prejudice. Okay. Racism. When we're talking about systematic, where people are are, they're using court systems, they're using, uh, you know, law enforcement. Yeah, yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no. You you really hit the you hit the nail on the head. I just get annoyed because racism is thrown out like bigotry and prejudice when it's totally different. Like, like we got to really define this. So so let me ask you, what are your thoughts on, on? bigotry and prejudice that's i think it exists it exists obviously it exists is that a problem no the problem is racism is the problem that's the problem that is gonna fly different people are not gonna agree it's just gonna happen that happens let me re-ask that question bigotry and presence bigotry and prejudice uh-huh. from our, our state leaders. Is that acceptable? No, because you're in a position where you affect a group, your constituents. Mm-hmm. You affect everybody in that state yes, or whoever you do. represent. So whether I think that's... That, that's uh, whether I'm... you're using your power to uh, you know, enact systematic racism... Oh. The simple act of of just publicly sharing your your bigotry and, and prejudice is a very powerful act, and I dare Absolutely. to say that these white supremacists have grown a huge amount of balls, like um, under certain administrations. But um, I don't know. Well, you could you can honestly say they grew under Obama's uh, administration too. This is another unknown Why fact you say that? we don't talk about. Because he was so hated that he was in office. So that's been bubbling those whole eight years. And then, you know, 45 gets in, Trump gets in. And then now you could just be out and open with it. <laughs> that's the only difference. So that, that's my perspective of it. It's, it's pretty much been going on 12 years of white supremacy, white rage, all this, not neo-Nazi, domestic terrorism, like, because all them shootings happened under Obama's administration, too. True indeed, true indeed. Uh, like, let's so, just keep it objective on that front. Okay, so then, um, again, I told you, you'd more likely be a chief of staff first term, but what would be, cause we gotta wrap this up in, in a moment, but what would be your um, first action for, um, how do you say, mitigating some of this uh this, this racism like the this the first thing is just we gotta redo these laws man period mm-hmm. legislation is jacked up that's the first top priority change the laws hmm. Make well, give me give me one in specific um for ah it's tough it's so much man um, I'll say for law enforcement, 
we gotta we gotta come with standards across the board like you and i spoken about Everybody has to do the same use of force. This is all federally mandated. Everybody oh, has to totally do. agree with you. Like all this, yo, if you are proven that you unlawfully killed somebody, you're going to jail for life or whatever. Like there's no trial from that. You're done. My so, my main thing would be like now we were right now we're pointing our fingers at the you know at the white supremacists. Yeah. But there are also gangs that have infiltrated, you know, our law enforcement community as well. And um, gangs, and as I mentioned, other terrorist organizations. We need to find a way to keep them out of LE and out of government. And so I don't know if it's just going to be a more strict background check. Absolutely, I think you enhance training, all that. Yeah. If you if if you have family members that are in uh, that are showing this. you know, they're they're linked to these organizations, then perhaps it, it, you need more scrutiny, you know, yeah. because we have to find a way to, um, we have to find a way to, to get this out of our system, because here's the thing, the Watchmen, yeah, while it's fictional, they got Dr. Manhattan, like, yeah. in his dick around, like, it's, that's a fictional show, but at the same time, it is dramatizing the fear and uh, the lack of trust that uh, that certain people are, are, are having for you know for, for law enforcement mm-hmm. and um, we, we got to find a way around that or we're gonna lose law and order right yeah. and that's what that's what keeps America safe that is that's what preserves freedom and, and that is our utmost priority but uh, again I just want to say big ups Martin Luther King jr paving yeah. the way like and Malcolm X too, you know, all all everyone who, who contributed, RIP, those yeah. who are still alive, we got a lot of work to do. And um the best thing we can do is is, is make changes within ourselves and yep. stop being racist. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, everyone, thanks for joining in. You got any closing remarks? Nah, I just hope I, I hope we touched people and made you really critically think about what you think you know about Martin Luther King's civil rights and racism in America. And we're trying to just really broaden everybody's perspective. So that's what we're doing. Today was, I think, a great example of what we're doing. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's my two cents. Catch you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.